try to be mindful and let things take their natural course, then your mind will become still in any surroundings, like a clear forest pool. All kinds of wonderful, rare animals will come to drink at the pool, and you will clearly see the nature of all things. You will see many strange and wonderful things come and go, but you will be still. This is the happiness of the Buddha. That's the Ajahn Chah quote I was referencing last night. Giving it its fullness. So today we'll be sort of integrating the instructions. We'll continue to begin and ground in mindfulness, attention to the body and the breath. Ayananda Bodhi says, mindfulness of the body. The body is the teacher that never leaves you. So we can return again and again to the body. And of course, this is a practice of beginning again and again and again. So that body, the body is there and there are many sensations we can touch into, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And if anything difficult is coming up, we can touch into a neutral or slightly pleasant sensation in the body. Uh, And then check out something else that might be in our experience if it happens to be difficult. We call this titration or pendulation. If any hindrances arise, these can be known and we can use the RAIN acronym. Uh, This is practicing in the fourth foundation practicing with the presence of the hindrances, bringing mindfulness to them. Uh, The RAIN, again, is recognize what's happening, allow, accept. Um, And the I is interest or investigation, which is really simple. It's just like it feels like this right now. It has these qualities. This is what's showing up. And the non-identification is making a space from that experience kind of having knowing, it's kind of a seed of wisdom that's dropped in there that this is just visiting, this is not me or mine, it's not my difficult experience of the body or mind. So you can also just simply check out if there's some resistance to experience there is one of these qualities, one of these components, the recognition, the acceptance, the interest in the experience or the non-identification, are they absent? And we can see if these, these components of mindfulness, um, if one of them is absent, is there, less, is, is there more suffering? Or if we're able to really be with, in a, in a loving awareness, be with what the experience is, recognize it, have some interest, have that space from it, then um, you know, is there lesser suffering or turmoil in the mind? We can notice this. If any, we can notice the presence of wholesome mind states that connect us with a sense of joy or tranquility, greater stillness and peace, if gratitude is present, or just simply some greater tranquility than than we have experienced perhaps before, or quiet sense of stillness or tranquility. We can check out the Vedana um, of any experience of body or mind. And 
then notice if there is a reactivity that, that's present and be mindful of, of that uh, and see if um, resting with the Vedana, the bare, bare experience of pleasant, unpleasant, or neither, um, brings some sense of being intimate with that experience and also some sense of lesser suffering if the re- typical reactivity of liking or disliking is not either, either not present or we're actually able to hold that reactivity in mindfulness. So in this way, we're exploring um, within our practice, mostly just simply though, simply by being aware with a loving attitude an accepting attitude of what's happening right here and right now. And we're exploring the ways in which um, our minds can get entangled in suffering or actually experience this relief by being mindful, being aware, being accepting, not identifying for this moment with this experience. Okay, so resting into this mindfulness of the body, can begin with a whole body awareness. Knowing the body in the meditation posture, whether sitting or lying down. can touch into noticing to begin with some of the stronger areas of sensation or temperature in the body. Noticing if any tensions are there. Inviting in a letting go. So checking out if there is a sense of balance between relaxation and alertness. And it can be really helpful to intentionally have a sense of infusing the posture with a sense of dignity, of a certain nobility, because the the practice is noble as it's onward leading towards greater compassion and wisdom. So really appreciating this wholesomeness of our practice. We can begin to connect with the shifting, changing sensations of the breath. Knowing the breath, either in the whole body or in a specific area where it is felt most strongly. And allowing the breath to be just as it is in this moment. And in this moment... 
and in this moment. We can be aware in any given moment if the sensation of the breath or body has a pleasant, unpleasant, or neither valence to it. Or how it's felt elementally. If the mind wanders, mindfulness arises again, you may check out if there is a hindrance present. Possibly a restlessness. What's the quality of that experience? What does it feel like? Is there a sensation in the body? that's associated with it. Can that be held with full acceptance? Oh, this sensation, this experience, perhaps of restlessness is here right now. This is what it feels like. Dropping the habit of pushing away or trying to hold on. And when we do drop that habit, is there a sense of relief, of greater ease, of cessation, of some turmoil in the mind? Even in the midst of possibly unpleasant experience. As we return again and rest in the mindfulness of the body or the breath, can moments or even periods of time of greater tranquility or stillness of mind, gatheredness of mind be noticed? Is there an ease or relative lightness of the mind that comes with this opening to the present moment, the simplicity of knowing what's happening in the body? (coughs) Knowing it in this moment, 
And in this moment, and in this moment, If we find ourselves resisting some experience, and that resistance, we notice a not quite able to be, not quite really intimate with this present moment, intimate with the present moment experience. Can we invite in a sense of self-compassion an acceptance of what's happening right now, knowing that actually that habit of resistance is what may be causing the heart subtle disease, dis-ease. And so letting go into just allowing the present moment experience to be just as it is, Anything is a perfect object for our mindful attention. Anything arising at any of the six sense doors. The Vedana of any of those experiences. The general mind state. The sense in our own hearts, whether we're actually intimate, aware, allowing of experience, or in some way resistant. All of these can be known with a caring heart. Gently opening to mindfulness of what's happening in the body, the mind, with Vedana in the present moment, here and now. Just that sense of intimacy with what's happening.
As I ring the bell in a moment, see if you can notice the shifting and changing vibrations, the experience of hearing, all the way through to the end, perhaps recognizing a sense of Vedana in the experience of hearing. And perhaps that Vedana too shifts and changes. And then as you begin to move after hearing the bell, see if you can keep this gentle, kind awareness going as you sense into the sensations uh, during the first bodily movements, the first movements of the body, whether it's raising the hands to bow or shifting the legs or the body, just knowing what is felt in those moments in the body. great to see people standing in the hall, keeping this gentle, persevering dedication to the practice going, responding to what's happening in bodies and minds, and just gently keeping that practice going. So for some of you at this point in the retreat, there may be some future thoughts arising. This is the first moment of your entire retreat. <laughs> yeah. So such a such unique and special conditions we have for practice here that we've set in place. And all of your efforts up to this point are coming to fruition in every moment, even if you don't realize it. So just taking a moment to urge you to really recognize... Um, the value of just continuing to practice in this way throughout the remainder of the retreat. And, you know, if future thinking does arise, that can be known in mindfulness. And uh, really, for some people, this couple of days is all they have, you know, all they're going to get for retreat. So um, this is a full practice period that we have ahead of us. So please just... Um, show up as best as you can. We're rooting for you all the way, all the way to the end and beyond. Hope you can feel that. Um, my only other announcement is about mindfulness of squitzing. 
So please um, remember when you are in line for lunch or breakfast or whatever to use the squids. Um, and uh, you can you know, really bring mindfulness of that. It's interesting liquid feeling, water <laughs> element, and then followed by some odd dryness, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, you know, so somebody wanted us to make that request, and it makes sense. Um, actually, when I was here on a three-month retreat many years ago, this is way before COVID, there were no squits, and the, the people, you know, people didn't used to have squits all over the place. <laughs> um, and I got sick twice. So we can really spread that stuff on the utensils, you know, whatever. It's not necessarily even COVID. So. And then also, you know, try to understand sometimes people will have squitzed a little bit, you know, like in a different location. So if you see somebody going into the line and they're not squitzing again, you know, that's, that doesn't mean that they haven't done it. So we can uh, just all take care of each other in this community. Yeah, and it's time for questions. So if you have something. <laughs> the squits. The squits. The sanitizer. <laughs> Sorry, it's just a little word that I use for it. <laughs> Question? Can you raise your hand again? Yes. My question was going to be about squits, too, but <laughs> <laughs> now that we cleared that up. Um, I have a question about spacing out. Um, a while back, I did a headspace course, and oh, I'm so nervous talking. I've had like three days getting up the courage to ask this question. <laughs> um, a while back, I did a headspace course, and at the end of every meditation, um, they would say, Now, before you kind of stand up and move on to the next thing. Allow your mind to just wander freely, like don't, you know, just um, to space out. And, and that was like my kind of introduction to, to meditation. And so I've thought about that a lot over the course of this week. And um, yeah, and sometimes it, it, it you know, it's so tiring to be mindful around the clock. <laughs> and sometimes I'm, I go out for a walk or I'm sitting um, in the dining hall and I'm like, oh, I don't want to close my eyes and think about each bite. <laughs> I just want to like space out for a minute. So I'm just wondering, does that idea of spacing out play any role um, in, in this or not? Thanks for the question, and thanks for asking it and going through that whole process of having the courage and feeling through it, feeling yourself, you know, have the nervousness and do it. Really appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> so if, you know, the thing is, if we're getting tired, if we're feeling that uh, the mindfulness practice is somehow exhausting us, it's probably a good clue that there's some level of over-efforting in the mindfulness itself. So remembering that mindfulness is really just being aware of something that's happening right now. So awareness is really accessible to all of us and doesn't take a bunch of effort, just knowing what's happening. 
just knowing a bodily sensation right now. Just how much effort does it take to just know the feel, a feeling of warmth in your hand right now in some area? Just known. Doesn't take effort, right? So a part of our practice, um, really through the whole practice, is beginning to calibrate and know um, how much effort to, is really needed. And there's a way in which we can start to tune into the fact over time that it can be more and more, and more effortless, it's like making effort without effort at the same time. Um, so if there's a sense of feeling exhausted and really kind of wanting to get away from mindfulness, see, feel into when you are practicing uh, formally or you're sitting here or you're walking, is there a way that you can just actually bring in consciously um, just this sense of being aware of what's happening right here, right now, and that's all that's needed. And it may be time to just like kind of drop a sense, any sense of pressure, just like can, can, the, can this moment be known right now for a few times, you know, just, and, or notice if you're, um, if you're using perhaps, you can check into the techniques that you might be using and seeing if there's just a lot of real striving in there. You know, like if you're using notes, you might note, l- listen into the tone of the notes. Is it like soft? right (laughs) is it like pleasant (laughs) something there's a clue there Um, and so check out whether this mindfulness is truly that's why we keep saying gentle kind just resting with experience you know these kinds of things and this is this is a lifelong. This is an exploration that goes on. We we have to, we have to kind of people fall into too much effort, and then they have to notice that and and move back into less effort, and sometimes then see that that oh that's not quite enough. But just you know, what is it to just be able to be here with this pleasant present moment experience? Um, and you can explore through your whole practice. Like, is spacing out actually? Does that actually? What does that feel like? Does it lead to greater happiness and ease, or, or does it lead to not knowing what's going on, or, and what what does that feel like for you? Does that support you know? It does make sense though if you're over efforting that there's this wanting to get away from the over efforting. But the I would encourage that to be uh, to actually just direct yourself towards practicing in a way that doesn't feel exhausting. Right behind, right there, yeah. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about anticipation and future mind. Um, something that is coming up for me is my work life really rewards my brain. Sorry, my heart rate is like, woof, <laughs> through the roof. <laughs> like, hello, hi. <laughs> hi. Um, <laughs> hello, heart. Thank you. <laughs> Um, but my work life really rewards my, my mind for being really rigid and, um, like greedy and diversive. Like, it's like, yeah, thank you. Decision making. Go, go. And I'm like, oh no, my heart, my poor heart. I can't take it anymore. Um, and I'm wondering if there's any good kind of strategy or, um, kind of way to kind of cope with this. Mm. Thank you. 
Yeah, thanks for the question. And all this real-time mindfulness is great, just hearing. It's like we can practice with this heart. It's beautiful. Um, so that's kind of, I think you kind of answered your question in the way you practiced with that at the beginning. It's like um, sometimes our lives, whether it's work or otherwise, is the conditions seem to be, wow, bringing a lot of stress. Um, it's in this practice that we can explore befriending ourselves, being with the experience. Is there a way to experience the conditions of work, which I, I'm sure do bring a lot of rigidity, but it's, can, can this external sense of rigidity be known in a way that's actually you're so loyal and loving kind with full of, full of loving kindness to your heart. So, there may be some resist, like totally healthy resistance to the rigidity. You may be able to start to find space around it, um, even when you're at work. But definitely, you know, here you might feel the reverberations of that rigidity. And this, just doing this practice of being mindful of it, will start to clue you into where it's really causing oppression, and you know, like more in your daily life, and how you can navigate around that. Um, and it doesn't need to be thought through. This is like, I think as Bonnie really emphasized at the beginning of the retreat, mindfulness is a different way of knowing. It's a different way of accumulating knowledge about um, what life is, how to navigate it, how to live it, how to live it with happiness, with ease. So we don't think it through. Instead, it's like you'll have be armed with all that knowledge of like, oh, I see how that sense of rigidity is causing internal turmoil. And then you'll be able to have some more ability to practice with it when it's, you know, the conditions are more right there in your face. I was a lawyer, by the way, just to say that. <laughs> I practiced a lot at work. What? Okay, I'm still technically a lawyer. But. <laughs> Not in relationship to you right now. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> or this guy. <laughs> Hi. Um, I had a pretty aversive day yesterday. Um, and I would say I'm typically more of a, a greedy type. And um, I was reflecting on how, um, like, just in your face, painful the aversion was. And, um, and then kind of thinking about the times when really, like, reaching for stuff and desire is, is more prominent. And that, that feels different. Um, and it, like the way it hurts is different. Yeah. And um, it, it was like when the desire is unmet, then maybe the another form of suffering comes afterwards. Maybe that's kind of sad or poignant. But I guess I was just curious just the fact that they feel really different and that the hurt feels really different. Um, I don't know if you could speak to that. Yeah, yeah, a beautiful thing to notice in practice. It does have this um, different quality uh, 
our experiences of greed and aversion. Um, in truth, you know, people kind of, often they do want to get rid of their aversion. You know, there's, <laughs> don't necessarily want to get rid of desire, right? Because it has, it's, it's the sting is a bit more elusive and we really have a lot of sense of, if I get something pleasant, it's going to, uh, it's going to make me happy, and it takes takes a little bit more to begin to see that. And and so, if you are, in my opinion, really lucky to be a greedy type, so that means you're not experiencing aversion so much. Aversion is on its face unpleasant, and I I feel for you in kind of having a wave. And this can happen in the practice. It's called what, what we call a purification practice. So it will surface. Um, it will surface are kinds of the the kinds of um, poisons at at different layers and levels at different times as we move through the, through the practice. So we'll have experiences that are surprising. That's like kind of why I'm men- mentioning the strange animals that come to the pool. This Ajahn Chah's quote. And so then, um, you know, let it be. Uh, for one thing, can it be? This opening to compassion for yourself. Oh, this heart and mind is capable of this kind of suffering also, this aversion. And, and oh, you know, other folks have this, experience this too, this aversion that often gives, it's like a contraction in the heart that really comes very forcefully, very obviously known, like this, this just, it has this sense of pushing out, it has the sense of separation. It's just like, no, pushing away and it, there can be a lot of binding, a lot of strong physical sensation that can come with aversion. So that's just some of the things that we can notice. And every different experience will actually be subtly or sometimes very strongly different. We can learn the f- different flavors of you know, impatience, what's going on in the mind there, versus frustration. Yeah. Um, so, but the more we know, it's just like this knowledge is power. And this is like this, this really unique kind of knowledge, like understanding the terrain of the mind. Really powerful to really get to know our mind, I think as Temple really said really well the other day. I'm sorry, so no no more time for questions. Um, Have a beautiful day of practice. We're rooting for you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.